Welcome to Inside the Vault, the payment security podcast, a show from Very Good Security. This is a show for fintech builders and leaders looking for a deep dive into the intersection of payments and data security. You're about to hear a conversation around payments, fintech, data security, and more. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. I'm Amanda Carocchio, the Director of Partnerships at VGS, and I'm very excited today to have our special guest, Caleb Avery. Caleb is the founder and CEO of Tilled. Caleb, welcome to the pod. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Great. So to kick us off, for our listeners who don't know yet, what does Tilled do and who are your typical customers? Yeah. So I'm, I'm Caleb Avery, founder CEO here at Tilled. In terms of what we do, our platform we call Payfac as a service. And so we're targeting primarily vertical software platforms that are interested in, in this idea of monetizing the payments that are flowing through their platform. And so really where we come into the equation is typically for mid-market or lower enterprise vertical software companies where we would say our target focus, our companies processing anywhere from 50 million upwards of 2 billion a year in annual processing volume. And they're coming to Tilled because they're frustrated with either a Stripe or a Braintree or with the experience that they're getting from, from one of the legacy processors. And the core concept behind Tilled and this idea of Payfac as a service is that as a software company, you can come plug in to our APIs and SDKs. Oftentimes you can be up and running in a matter of weeks. Right now the record integration is four days. You don't have to hire additional employees. You don't have to take on additional liability, but yet you're still getting paid the lion's share of the revenue on all of those transactions that are flowing through your platform. Awesome. And I think we can all agree the Payfac space is a little bit niche, but it looks like you've been in payments for some time now. So can you tell me how you got into payments? And then specifically, seems like you've always sort of been on the processing side of the house. So how'd you get here? Yeah, so payments is really the the only business that, that I've ever known. And as you said, I've always really been on the acquiring side of the the business, but I started out going door to door, selling payment processing services to to small business owners, scaled that up over over time. And then I started consulting for software companies. And so it was really doing that consulting work that I was consistently seeing the same problem over and over again, where these software companies wanted to generate revenue on the payments that were flowing through their platform, but they also wanted modern technology and they also wanted to have a great customer experience, you know, for for their clients. And the, the reality was, especially within the Payfac, you know, ecosystem five years ago, there wasn't really a great, you know, turnkey option for for software companies that wanted that Payfac model, wanted to monetize their payments and didn't want to build out, you know, all of the technology and team and take on the liability and kind of go through the the whole the whole rigmarole to build it out themselves. And I know you mentioned most of your customers are 50 million plus. I've heard that number thrown around a lot. Is that sort of where you agree where a business should start to think about like maybe I should become a payback or what does that inflection point look like in in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think the reality is over the course of especially like the last six months, we've seen that period or that point in time come down quite a bit where you know we're now seeing more and more startups that are actually interested in monetizing the payments right out of the gate. So we, we just had a startup, they just closed their seed round. They've already onboarded a couple hundred merchants onto our platform. And so they they just came out firing on all cylinders you know, right out of the gate, but they had tilled and, you know, payment monetization embedded from day one of the launch of their platform. To me, that 50 million a year in in payment monetization point is, is kind of the no-brainer point where if you're not doing it by that point in time, like you're, you're leaving a lot of money 
on the table. And so it's it's not to say that that's kind of the, the, the earliest point that it makes sense. But to me, that's just the absolute no-brainer point where if you're processing more than 50 million a year in payments and you're not generating revenue on those payments, you're, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Makes sense. And following on that, is there a business you can think of right now that isn't a pay fact that if you could have them sort of on tilled or like advise them, you'd be like, you must be a payback. So I think one one kind of point of, of clarification in terms of the, the tilled model. So one of the, the key points behind the idea of payback as a service is that we're able to onboard customers in you know two, three weeks or four days in that, that kind of record case, because each one of our clients is actually not becoming the registered payback themselves. And so I'd answer the, the question slightly differently and say, over the last six months, we've spoken to five companies that are processing around $10 billion a year in payments that are not effectively monetizing their payments. And every time I speak you know, to these companies doing six, eight, 10 billion a year in payments, it just blows my mind because they're leaving tens of millions of dollars on the table by you know, not processing these payments kind of through a, a partnership with a company like Tilled. And so th- those are the conversations that, that get me excited and, and get me you know, motivated to, to push you know, those types of companies to, to come to Tilled. So I appreciate you walking us through that. And then is there a point when you feel like you might have a business on tilled where it might be time for them to become a full-fledged payback or sort of how do you think about that graduation process? Yeah, great question. So when I outlined that kind of sweet spot for us being that 50 million to, to 2 billion, in my mind, that's really just the the no-brainer sweet spot for for tilled where you will make more money partnering with Tilled than, than any, really anywhere else that, that you can go. That $2 billion a year processing point is this interesting breakpoint where economically you will make an incremental dollar by becoming a fully registered payback. Now, it doesn't mean that every company processing more than $2 billion you know, wants or should be a registered payback, but that's where you know I, I can no longer make the argument that you'll make more money you know, with Tilled. And so it becomes a bit of a different you know, conversation. But you know, last week we just signed a company that does $4 billion a year, you know, in payments volume. And so there's plenty of companies that are well north of, of $2 billion a year in volume that have just decided fundamentally, I don't want <laughs> to be a payback. And sometimes it's the, the liability, sometimes it's the regulatory component, sometimes it's the international piece. Like, hey, I'm operating in multiple, you know, countries, I don't want to, you know, build out the, the teams and go through the registration process, you know, in multiple countries or, or on multiple continents. But I, I feel like $2 billion a year is where you start to have a different conversation. And there becomes a real argument for like, hey, should this company go become, you know, a fully registered payment facilitator. Got it. So it's a lot more about trade-offs at that point and sort of, yeah, what, what's most important to them. I want to shift gears a little bit. So Tilled was founded, it seems like right before the pandemic, but then you did a lot of your fundraising, it looks like during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What was that process like for you? I started working on Tilled in January of 2019, but it was a very, very slow process in the in the early years where we were figuring out some of the initial regulatory hurdles and the initial technology hurdles. And so it, it really took us almost two and a half years to, to really be, you know, fully ready to, to launch the, the platform. But as you say, like the, the majority of the progress happened from when COVID hit onward. So when, when COVID hit, we were three employees on the team to give you a sense of kind of how early you know we were at that point in the in the process and so i started my my first fundraising effort 
in July of 2020. And so a very interesting time to, to be out there, you know, raising money where we were really the, the first fully remote check that a number of our investors had written where they'd only met me on Zoom. So they were taking this leap of faith, like, is this a real person? Is this a real, you know, business? And, you know, certainly appreciate, you know, everyone that that bet on us at that point in time where it was it was largely a, a lovely pitch deck and a story for me. But I, I actually really enjoyed the the remote nature of of that fundraising process where for for me at that point in time I had a five-month-old baby at home. And so the idea of like spending weeks and weeks on the road and traveling around trying to raise that money would have actually been pretty difficult for me personally. And so having the the ability to successfully raise capital remotely was actually a huge benefit for me. I also feel like, you know, we're we're based in Boulder, Colorado, which is a, a fantastic place to live, but it's not it's not exactly the the largest VC funding scene out there. And so we ended up raising most of our, our capital for, from investors, you know, outside of the the Colorado ecosystem. And at least what I found was that you know Bay Area, New York, Boston-based, and even European investors were much more open to taking conversations and evaluating startups located anywhere you know around the world outside of the kind of traditional tech hubs. And I think COVID was a, a major enabler uh, of that, and we were certainly a beneficiary. Got it. And shifting gears yet again, I do want to get a little bit of your take in terms of the payments ecosystem. As you mentioned, you've you've been around the space for a while. What have you noticed that's probably been the biggest change in your opinion since you've been in the payments ecosystem? And maybe if we could focus it on the acquiring side. So I'd say the biggest trend that's happened between, you know, when I got started in payments to to today has been this rise of software-led payments or, or vertical payments where, you know, 10, 12 years ago, there were a handful of companies finding success, but it, it was by, by no means a core focus. It certainly was not a meaningful percentage of the, the annual processing volume, whereas the traditional, you know, ISO agent-led door-to-door model, which is where, where I, I started, you know, was that was really the heyday a decade ago. Whereas especially over the last three to five years, I think you've seen this pretty dramatic acceleration in the the rise and prominence of software-led payments within the, the the payments ecosystem. And from a kind of macro perspective, when you look at the the major acquirers, a lot of these guys built their their platforms, their technology, their go-to-market strategy around that traditional agent ISO model. And a lot of them really don't have a great solution for ISVs and, and vertical you know, software companies. And so it, I think it's actually exacerbating this shift towards you know, more fintech and infrastructure and, and startup you know, platforms like, like Tilde to give us an opportunity to really power this next wave of the payment ecosystem as you continue to see the massive, massive growth you know, within the, the software channel and, and really you know, declining growth within the, the traditional ISO channels. And from a forward-looking perspective, do you think it's more vertical payments, I would think, um, or verticalized solutions? Is there anything else you think sort of on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, for sure, I see the the verticalization of payments, you know, con- continuing and, and even accelerating. I think one of the things that we're starting to see is that these traditional players, the, the agents, ISOs, the acquirers are starting to wake up to, to this opportunity. And so I think you'll see 
more of the traditional payment ecosystem switching up their go-to-market strategy and trying to figure out like, okay, well, how can I be more involved in this software-led you know, side of the, the payments ecosystem? And, and that's been something that I had a hypothesis, I don't know, let's call it 18 months ago, that we could enable traditional ISOs and, and agents to be successful selling to, to software companies, but no one had really done that. And so that was a very unproven thesis 18 months ago. Well, fast forward to today, we've got something like 92 ISOs that resell for Tilled, and it's almost half of our deal flow that that comes into to the business. And so we've seen just a tremendous amount of interest, you know, from these traditional players wanting to to be on the the kind of forward thinking, forward looking side of where payments is is going. And I, I feel like that trend almost even more than the, this acceleration of vertical software, I think you'll see that play out over the next two or two or three years as these guys start to understand like, hey, I, I'm leaving money on the table if I'm not, you know, getting a piece of, of this pie. I want to double click on that for a second. Those 92 ISOs. How do you go about educating ISOs to sell something like Tilt? Yeah. So in terms of bringing them to, to the table, podcasts have actually been a phenomenal way for us to initially get the, the word out there. But we certainly spend a, a lot of time thinking about how we can you know educate and train our partners. And, and really, it started where we looked internally to say, hey, what types of businesses are we having success with, you know, ourselves, and then starting to train our partners on what we call the ideal implementation profile. So kind of a drill down from the ideal customer profile, say, hey, these are the types of businesses that we're finding a tremendous amount of, of success with. And we're actually getting ready in a couple of weeks here, we're, we're going to be launching a new agent training portal where agents and ISOs are going to have a portal that they can go into to, to do video course training and actually get certified to be able to, to sell tilled. And so I'd say content has really been, you know, a big part of that strategy from, you know, collateral eBooks and now actually creating, you know, a video training course to, to make sure that they know how to target, who to target. And then ultimately we've been a very active part in helping close these deals. And so for our referral partners, we've really said, hey, if you can bring qualified opportunities to the table, and here's what a qualified opportunity looks like, our sales team can help you get these deals over the line. I think that that collaboration has been a big reason why we're seeing so much success from those referral partnerships. And I do, I want to double click again on the content piece because I think payments is pretty nuanced. You would appreciate that more than anyone. Is there anything that you think Tilde has done from a content perspective to sort of explain the product well in a way where you won't become a full-fledged payfac, but here's some of the benefits you'll get as if you were a payfac. What are some ways you've gone about that? One of the reasons why you know we've been successful with a, a content marketing strategy is that we really focused on the foundation of the messaging, the the positioning, and and really where we fit into the ecosystem, and and really thinking through our positioning in the ecosystem before starting to to actually develop, you know, the the content. So we were clear on who we were, where we fit into the ecosystem, and who we target from an ideal customer profile perspective. And so I, I feel like a lot of companies forget that foundational element <laughs> and then they start, hey, well, our content's not working or our you know, advertising isn't working. It's like, 
but are you even really clear on who you are and how you compete in your ecosystem? So I feel like we spent a lot of time in the early days of Tilled getting that that messaging and the positioning and the branding crystal clear. And that's continued to, to pay dividends, you know, for us from a content perspective. We also take a, a subject matter expertise approach where for different blogs, hey, this week we're writing a blog on PCI. Okay, well, I'm not the the best person at Tilled to advertise and talk about merchant or ISV PCI compliance. And so we go to our director of you know InfoSec to talk about that program. We just rolled out a blog on on RevOps and we went to our, our CRO who runs you know that part of the business and so we we've kind of had a, a central content team working with you know a revolving number of, of subject matter experts across the business that have allowed us to create this kind of thought leadership component and be thoughtful about kind of how we're messaging and, and building up that that brand in the market with our content. It's interesting to hear because I think we similarly at VGS are in a pretty niche space. So I think you're right in terms of nailing that foundational piece. It's it's really key to nailing the content long term. And so where do you see Tilled in like the next five years? The the next five years. Five, five years feel, feels like an eternity from now. In the startup ecosystem, I feel like for, for me, you know, when I look out, 12 months from from now I feel like for us in in 2022 it was this real focus on you know uh, attracting signing and launching you know software companies on the platform and I, I feel like you know we did that phenomenally well over the course of this year whereas for for me you know when I look kind of 12, 24, 36 months from now, it starts to, over the next 12 months, look like us scaling up with the you know initial set of, of customers that we have. And then beyond that, I start to get excited about the additional product offerings that that we can bring you know, to the table to continue to add value you know, to our partners with us serving as this infrastructure layer for our partners. And so we've started to look at things like lending, insurance, payroll, buy now, pay later as a potential additional, you know, add on product sets, geographic expansion. And so that's kind of, you know, when I take that kind of forward looking lens, that that product expansion piece is what starts to, to really get me excited as, as the guy kind of controlling the, <laughs> the product roadmap here at Tilled. I hope we see a lot of those developments coming, coming down the pipe soon. I want to ask you, what is your favorite payments product or company that you sort of admire and you can't pick tilled. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good one. I mean, in so many ways, I, I feel like Stripe really has set the the gold standard as as much as I like to give them a hard time on on LinkedIn. You know, they they really nailed the the developer experience and you know you can add payments in, in seven lines of, of code and for for me I think there's a couple of things that that I love about that one just that developer centric approach I think they they were one of the first companies within the payment space to really take that view and and really just making it easy to to do business with them and I I feel like for for me there's a lot of pieces about you know what they've built and how they've built it that we look to to emulate and then there's a lot of things that they did that I don't like and we're we're looking to change those things for the better but there's there's a lot of lessons to to be learned you know looking at how they they've been able to execute and scale at the at the pace that they have to probe a little bit the things that you don't particularly like or aren't particularly fond of what are those for me I think one when I look at the the problems that that people face 
you know, with Stripe, I think pricing is kind of the the obvious one. A, a lot of people get frustrated by the the flat rate model, and and oftentimes their their inflexibility to to negotiate with customers. I think thing two being branding, where they really push powered by Stripe as as kind of their you know primary mo. Whereas for us, you know, turnkey white labeled has really been our approach from day one. And then I think really the biggest Achilles heel that we continue to hear from customers has been their card present solution. I think they've really struggled to transition into a hardware environment. And, you know, they've made some acquisitions that I think can can help with that. But where they are today, that that is by no means a core competency in the business. And it's one thing if you're focused on marketplaces and e-commerce customers, but they're outwardly saying that they want to focus more <laughs> within the vertical software ecosystem. Well, if you want to focus in vertical software, you've got to have a killer terminal solution. So I think there's there's a lot of room for them to to improve upon that solution. Thanks for sharing and letting me letting me probe a little bit. And then my final question for you is sort of on the personal side, what is your favorite payments product or fintech product to use from a personal standpoint? So from a from a banking perspective, I really enjoy so I bank with Charles Schwab and I just feel like at, at every turn I just love the the experience that I've had, you know, working with them. And for me, like one of the product tenets that that we have at Tills this idea of like sprinkling in these like elements of of delight, you know, across the the journey. And I I feel like Schwab has has really nailed that, at least in in my experience, where it's like every 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 turn, it's like, oh, that was that was a really nice touch. Like I got my money that much faster. The way that they, you know, improved their check deposits just worked really well. Awesome. Well, Caleb, I want to thank you so much for coming on the pod today. If people want to find out more about Tilled, where can they go? Certainly LinkedIn is a, is a great place to, to go if you want to follow you know me, Caleb Avery, on, on there. Tilled's also very active on, on LinkedIn. And certainly you know the, the Tilled website if you're interested in, in learning more, spelled T-I-L-L-E-D. But really appreciate you having me on the, on the podcast today. This, this was a lot of fun. Of course. Thank you again. And if our listeners have any suggestions for future episodes, they can drop us a line at pod at verygoodsecurity.com. And until next time. Industry leading companies from startups to the Fortune 500 use VGS to protect the collection, storage and exchange of sensitive payments data while maximizing its utility. With the VGS zero data approach to handling sensitive data, companies can achieve PCI DSS compliance and take control of their payment stack. To learn more, visit verygoodsecurity.com. You've been listening to Inside the Vault, the payment security podcast, a show from Very Good Security. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast app. If you've liked what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us to keep delivering the latest from the realms of payments and data security. Thanks for listening. Until next time.